as we are continuing in our series on the Hall of Faith, we, last time we were on this subject, we talked about Abraham receiving the call from God to get away from his family and to go to a land which God would show him. And we're going to just review very quickly a couple verses in Hebrews chapter 11, um, verses 8 to 10. Um, and then we will get into our text, which is Genesis chapter 13. So if you want to locate those locations in your Bible, that would be uh, very good. In, in Hebrews 11, 8 it says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go to a place which he should, should, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, who is builder and maker is God. So, we see in here that Abraham is called to go, and he has the faith to believe God and take him at his word. And we're going to see more of that as we go into Genesis chapter 13 this morning. I'm just going to read the whole chapter, and then we will open in prayer and continue from there, Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, starting with verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle. And silver and gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called the name of called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot also went with Abram, and had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled there in the land. And Abram said to Lot, Let there not be, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou cometh unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. 
But the men of Sodom were wicked sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise and walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to thee. Then Abram removed his tent, and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built an altar there unto the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to learn from your word uh, the truths that you have for us. We pray that we would be um, diligent to listen and apply what we, you have to teach us. We thank you for your faithfulness to us and for giving us the written record. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last time we were, we were with Abram and Sarah, they were in Egypt. They had just lied to Pharaoh because Abram said, you know, if, if they see you, you're, you're good looking and the Pharaoh will probably take you as his wife and then, you know, he'll kill me, so tell him you're my sister. And so they went through that whole thing and then the Pharaoh sends them away. So, in the start of chapter 13, Abram's going out of Egypt with his wife and, and Lot. And they come up to this land and, all, you know, Lot's servants decide, hey, uh, well, well, no, first of all, we see... Um, that Abraham, or Abram, after he comes uh, and pitches his tent, um, he he builds an altar and calls on the name of the Lord. And the significance here is that everything that that God has given Abram, Abram saying, God gave me this. And in verse 2 it says, Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And as we continue on in the, in the story of Abram, we will see that Abram is very specific when he talks about how God gave him the riches that he had. Matter of fact, um, one of the rulers wanted to give him a a cave to bury his his dead in, and he said, I, I'm going to pay you for this because I'm not going to have people say that men made Abram rich. So, and so Abraham calls on the name of the Lord, and as they're looking over this land that they come to, um, from, from the south, to Bethel unto the place um, where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. As they come up to this place, the, the servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham start, um, start to fight because there's not enough room 
for for both of them to continue on in the same place. And uh, but anyway, Abram trusted the Lord. And just as an aside to the the point um, about Abraham's riches, it's that um, if somebody could look at Proverbs ten twenty two, I think this gives some good insight into where Abram was um, in his heart uh, in in having to do <coughs> and to deal with being rich and having the proper perspective. Because sometimes I think. We think, well, riches are bad because we get this impression that, um, you know, rich people, uh, if they have it all, um, they're all greedy, um, they're all far from God, and they don't have the right perspective. And surely there is a danger, you know. Paul talks about how um, riches can, can lead to many sorrows if the priority is not right. But I think this verse in Proverbs will will kind of help to get us on the right plane when we're talking about uh, material wealth. Does somebody have Proverbs 10.22? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He has no sorrow in it. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Um, that's significant because there's a lot of rich people <clears throat> in the world that are not at peace. Uh, they have everything that the world has to offer and yet nothing to live for. This past week, uh, Robin Williams, who is a well-known comedic actor, and he's very good at his craft. And he, had, and he, in the world's eyes, he had everything. But he chose to end his own life. Because a world without God, every, everything minus God equals nothing. But when we trust God, He may choose to give us material things to go along with our spiritual blessings, but it's only as we embrace our spiritual blessings that the material blessings can mean anything. I know that it's a common phrase, you know, how much is enough? When you're talking to wealthy people, and often they will say a little bit more. They want to close the next deal. They want to, to do the next thing, bring them to the next level of financial success. Abraham, or Abram, was a very rich man. It says so right here in the text. But he was rich because God allowed him to be rich. And, he, and it says that as he goes out of Egypt, he builds an altar and praises the Lord. Now keep in mind that he's still on this journey that he doesn't know where he's going. He's still in a place where he's a foreigner. He's just come from this, this hard place in Egypt where he decided to lie and faltered in his trust of God. But God delivered him from it. And he says, God's still faithful, even though I messed up. God is not abandoning me. And so 
He builds his altar. But we see problems start to arise. In the end of this first portion of Hebrews chapter 13, uh, it says in verse 5, And Lot also went with Abram, and he had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was so great that they could not dwell together. And, first of all, that is kind of hard for me to comprehend, that they were going on this journey to this place that they knew not of. And yet they had so much substance that they could not dwell together. And so after this high point of Abram coming out of Egypt and praising the Lord, the second part of the passage talks about Abram and Lot's servants fighting and separating. And I mentioned last week, or last time I spoke on the Hall of Faith, that I kind of wondered whether Abram was supposed to bring Lot with him. Lot was his nephew, and God told Abram to get away from his family and from his kindred. Now, I don't want to make a big point of this, but as we go on, you'll see that Lot causes a lot of trouble for Abram. Not only in this part where he's, where their, their servants are fighting over um, land, but there's also a future time when Abram goes and rescues Lot from the hands of evil men. And so I sometimes wonder if Abram should have left Lot behind. But that aside, I think this teaches us um, something very important about getting along with one another. This is Abram's response to Lot. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. And this is kind of convicting to me because both on a biological level and on a spiritual level, with our brothers and sisters, do people know that we are brothers and sisters by the way we treat one another? Sometimes our brothers and sisters are the hardest people to get along with. And one of my challenges today is that we would remember what Abram said, let there be no strife between me and thee, for we are brethren. How many times, despite the fact that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, do we allow strife between our brothers and sisters? I am pointing to myself as well as to you and saying that we need to be different. There needs to be a difference. When people look at us and they see how we are living our lives, this is one of the ways that we can show that we are redeemed. Jesus said they'll know, our, know that we are His disciples by our what? By our love for one another. And so as we go on, I hope and pray that we will consider this. And Abram also kind of fulfills the message of Philippians chapter 3 here when Paul said, Look not only unto your own interests, but unto the interests of others. 
And Abram says to Lot, you can take whatever land you want, and I will take the leftovers. How many of us will be willing to say that? And yet that's what Abram does. And God tells Abram, your seed, your descendants are going to get everything. And Abram had the confidence to believe that God would not let him down. And so, then Lot chose him, as it says in the end of this portion, all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, we know that in this way, God actually preserved Abram because Lot went to Sodom, and the Bible says that in... in uh, the Bible says that it vexed his righteous soul to be in Sodom. And we also see how God revealed to Abram that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But even though he, he, he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because there weren't even ten righteous there, even though that was the case, he still sent angels to deliver Lot and his family. And so God showed mercy on Lot for Abram's sake. And so what a blessing that is. And uh, it just says, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. And I don't think Lot had any idea what was going to happen. Because he made that choice. And there's a lot of things we can learn from that as well. Because sometimes in our culture, in the way that we live, we say, how close can I get to the world without going over to the world? Instead of saying, how far can I be from the world? A lot of times we, we say, well, is this okay? That's how we answer some questions about the, the way we live our lives. Can Christians do this? Instead of saying, what's the best approach for what we should do? Chances are, if there's a question about whether a Christian should engage in a certain activity, you know, the best course of action may be to avoid that activity altogether. Whether or not it would be forbidden totally. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. And then, just another insight into getting along with one another. If somebody has James chapter 3, verse 16. James 3, 16. That would be good if somebody could look that up and read it for us. Okay, so this is just continuing what we're talking about, about 
unity and getting along with each other. Where, where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. What did, God, what did Paul say about life in the church? He said, let everything be done decently and in order. So is there room for envy and strife when we're trying to do things decently and in order? The answer is most definitely no. I just want to share this illustration that I found. Um, it says, A couple of Navy stories may help illustrate the sad result of internal strife and the positive results of unity. Two battleships met in the night and began to attack each other. In the conflict, a number of crewmen were severely wounded and both vessels were damaged. As daylight broke, the sailors on the ships discovered to their amazement that both vessels flew the English flag. Many years early, just before the Battle of Trafalgar in 1805, the British naval hero Lord Nelson learned that the admirable Admiral and the captain in his fleet were not on good terms. St sending for the two men, he placed the hands of the Admiral and the captain together. Then, looking them both in the face, he said, Look, yonder is the enemy. You know, a lot of times we spend so much time fighting with one another that we're not equipped to fight the battles that are really out there. We're supposed to get along with one another so that we can be the powerful force for the kingdom of God that God would have us to be. And this is very important. And of course, moving along in our passage here, uh, we see that God is going to again reinforce to Abram his promises. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, and my parents promised me something, or, or I perceived that they promised me something, that the thing that I thought was, you know, if you promise me you're going to do something, then you better do it yesterday. Or within five minutes or so. You know, we, we tend to be people that want things done now. Even when we go through fast food lines at restaurants, uh, we, we think it should take 30 seconds as opposed to two minutes. Or we get upset with the, the people in front of us for ordering uh, $30 worth of food and sitting in front of the window when we could have grabbed our $5 worth of food and been on our way. But because they're sitting there, we, we, we get upset. But when you look at Abram, these promises that he received and these promises that many of the other people that were in the Hall of Fame received, they didn't even necessarily see the full ramifications of those promises. Abram was told that all the nations of the world would be blessed by his seed. But he lived and died thousands of years before Jesus Christ walked the earth. And yet Jesus says of him, Abram rejoiced to see my day and was glad. So we're not talking about instant gratification. And um, I just think that we can stand to learn a lot about that. I know I can. Because there are things in this life that I am still hoping and praying to accomplish. But sometimes I can get impatient and say, well... If it was supposed to happen, it would have happened by now. 
But when God told, when God made promises to Abram, he often had quite the waiting period. So as we go into this third point, we're going to talk about God and His promises again. And uh, in verse 13 of Genesis 13, it says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, they shall then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron and built there an altar unto the Lord. As we continue through the Hall of Faith, we'll see that waiting is a big part of what God asks His people to do. He very rarely, especially with something major that He does in people's lives, does it overnight. I think of Dr. Paul Brand, who ministered to leper colonies, and he wrote a book called The Gift of Pain. And in that book, he talks about all this training that he received and how he went from one seeming profession to another and learned one trade after another and was like, how are you going to fit this all together? Like he spent time making shoes and learning the cobbler trade. But then when he got to this leper colony, he realized that one of the biggest needs that these lepers had was proper footwear. Because a lot of people think that leprosy is something where your, your extremities just start to fall off and they wither and rot. And there may be some uh, varieties of leprosy where this is more the case, but at least in the leper colony where Paul Brand worked, he found that the main reason that they would lose their limbs is because they had, didn't have feeling in their extremities. So whereas you or I would step on a nail, we would feel pain, we would get it treated right away, they could step on a nail and walk around, around with the nail in their foot for a few days because they didn't even necessarily know that it was there. So his training as a shoemaker came in handy on the mission field because he was able to, on top of diagnosing things as a doctor, also give them the practical care of proper footwear, which preserved many of them. So, we don't always know what we're on the journey, what God is doing. But every opportunity that He opens for us, every door that we have, is something that God can use to build and prepare us for his ultimate plan. So, this I say to you by way of encouragement. So, I just want to uh, have, if somebody could look at 
Psalm 37, 29. Psalm 37, 29. Just some further encouragement about what God has done for us. Okay, we again see that God is a promise keeper. Jesus said, the meek will inherit the earth. Someday there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will inherit the earth. We will reign with Him as priests and kings to our God, because God keeps His promises. So these physical, the promises of these, the physical land that God was promising Abram are pictures of spiritual promises he had for us. Now I believe that there are still some uh, physical promises that he's going to keep to the children of Israel. The children of Israel are still his chosen people. We need to pray for their peace. Because ultimately, nobody that stands against Israel will prevail. God has his hand over them. But as believers, we can have similar faith that God will preserve us spiritually and will give us great blessings as we follow him. Because he promised he would do so, and he has never broken a promise. Nobody else has that track record. But the Almighty God, who we are dealing with, does. One morning, R.C. Chapman, a devout Christian, was asked how he was feeling. I'm burdened this morning, was his reply. But his happy countenance contradicted his words. So the questioner exclaimed in surprise, Are you really burdened, Mr. Chapman? Yes, but it's a wonderful burden. It's an overabundance the blessings for which I cannot find enough time or words to express my gratitude. Seeing the puzzled look on the face of his friend, Chapman added with a smile, I am referring to Psalm 68:19, which fully describes my condition. In that verse, the Father in heaven reminds us that he daily loads us with benefits. And I know that sometimes I can get overwhelmed and I can feel like God's not doing much. But then I step back and count my blessings. I think about my parents who've been faithful to one another for 36 years of marriage. In a world that, where marriage has become throwaway. I saw so many friends, particularly disabled friends, whose disability was one of the breaking points for their parents' marriage. I look at, I get discouraged, but then I think about my brothers and sisters who have been such a comfort to me and such caregivers to me my physical limitations. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do half the stuff that I do. Because they are faithful to me, and by extension, faithful to God, I am able to be faithful to my calling. I think about how blessed I am 
with the sisters-in-law that God has brought into my family and with the nephews and nieces. So when I started going down the list, I realized that I'm a pretty rich man. And that I have nothing for which to complain. It doesn't mean that I don't, and it doesn't mean that I won't again. But it's good to be reminded. So what have we learned today? Abram leaves Egypt. He just experienced a low point where he went against God, lied. God preserves him. God could have said, Abram, I'm done with you. I am so fed up with you. But he didn't. And so Abram praises the Lord. Then another low point comes when Abram and Lot's men start fighting. And Lot says, let's not fight. Let's separate. You take what you want. I'll take what's left over. Knowing that God would be faithful. And then, God reiterates His promises to Abram. He says, I haven't forgotten my promises. Maybe you're here today and you've experienced a lot of broken promises. May I urge you to trust the one who never breaks his promise. We had the breaking of bread this morning to celebrate the one who gave himself for us. It says in Romans that while we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. I love those verses because without Christ, I am without strength. And the fact that I have a physical body that is without strength in many ways helps to remind me of my spiritual need for the strength of the Holy Spirit to live a godly and righteous life before Him. And I may not be rich in lands or silver or gold, like Abram was, but like God, like Abram, I have believed God, and God has accounted it to me for righteousness. And He can do the same thing for you. Listen to some of the benefits that He gives to the believer. Romans 2.4 talks about His kindness, forbearance, and patience. Romans 9.23 Ephesians 1.18 and 3.16 talk about the riches of God's glory. Romans 11.13 talks about the riches of God's wisdom. Ephesians 1.7 and 2.7 talk about the riches of His grace. Ephesians 2.4 talks about the riches of His mercy. Ephesians 3.8 talks about the riches of Christ being unsearchable. Romans 10.12 says that we are abounding in riches because we have called upon Him. 1 Timothy 6.17 reminds us that the world offers uncertain riches. And Luke 16.11 gives the balance of that by telling us that Jesus gives true riches. So, are you experiencing the true riches that Christ offers? Remember, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. 
the riches that I possess as a believer and the earthly blessings that I have in my family and my friends, all of you are included in that, are because of my benevolent Father in Heaven and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, my closing challenge to you is to trust Him. To go where He leads. Sometimes He asks you to obey first and then He will tell you what He's doing. Sometimes he, he takes away a vision that you have and leads you in another direction only to lead you full circle back to the thing that you wanted. That's how I feel about being able to do my, my Speaking for Him podcast. I love being able to do radio work. Something I've wanted to do since I was seven years old and I thought when I got out of high school that God was leading me away from that path. But when I was faithful to Him, He allowed me to have the opportunity to do it again. You may not always do that. There may be some things that we have to give up for life, but He knows how He made us. And He knows what we're best at. And if we trust Him, He will give us the desires of our heart. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being faithful. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you for all the promises that we just talked about, that you give us. Most of all, we thank you for your Son, who died after living a perfect life and became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We thank you for the example of Abram, who was faithful, who followed you even though he didn't know where he was going. We pray that we would have the same faith. In Jesus' name, amen.